booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. This is a moment of reckoning for us as New Yorkers and as Americans. But a judge has temporarily blocked in New York's new concealed carry law put in place after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the original legislation. President Biden wants marijuana legalized at the federal and state levels as he pardons those charged federally. Georgia's Republican U.S. Senate candidate Herschel Walker remaining defiant over allegations he paid for an abortion, blaming Democrats for cooking up the allegations. The U.S. imposes sanctions on top Iranian officials after the country halts Internet access to stem protests and free speech following the death of a woman for removing her hijab. Opening arguments in a Manhattan courtroom as actor Kevin Spacey faces a sexual misconduct lawsuit from an accuser. Federal judge has temporarily blocked key parts of New York State's new concealed carry gun law. The ruling takes effect in three days, and that'll allow time for New York State to appeal. Members of Gun Owners of America sued New York State over its new law, which went into effect in September after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the state's original concealed carry laws. Here's Governor Hochul when she signed the legislation into law this past summer. This is a moment of reckoning for us as New Yorkers and as Americans. So no 18-year-old can walk in on their birthday and walk out with an AR-15. Those days are over. The ruling is from Chief Judge Glenn Sutterby of the U.S. District Court up in Syracuse, New York. He has scheduled an October 20th hearing as well. Sotheby is specifically blocked the portion of the law that outlined new requirements for background checks for gun permits, including the disclosure of all of an applicant's social media accounts. New York's Governor Hochul, State Attorney General James, and New York City's Mayor Adams all issued statements criticizing the decision. President Joe Biden's position is that no one should be in jail for using or possessing marijuana. That, from his statement... POTUS is pardoning thousands of Americans convicted of simple possession of marijuana under federal law. He's also calling on governors of states to issue similar pardons for those facing state marijuana charges. The Biden administration is working to decriminalize pot to address arrests that disproportionately impact people of color. As I said when I ran for president, no one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana. It's already legal in many states. And criminal records for marijuana possession have led to needless barriers to employment, to housing, to educational opportunities. And that's before you address the racial disparities around who suffers the consequences. Biden's pardon could help thousands of people overcome obstacles such as running a home or finding a job who were charged. Georgia Republican U.S. Senate candidate Herschel Walker remaining defiant Thursdays, pushing back against reports alleging that he encouraged and paid for a woman's 2009 abortion and later fathered a child with her. The football icon turned celebrity politician and staunch abortion foe blamed the stories on Democrats and their desperation, promising to sue the Daily Beast, which first reported the allegations. Here's Walker on Fox with Brian Kilmeade. Not at all. And that's what I, I hope everyone can see. It's sort of like everyone is anonymous or everyone is leaking and they want you to confess to something you have no clue about. 
The allegations have rocked one of the nation's most important U.S. Senate matchups. Walker is in a tight contest with Democratic hopeful Senator Raphael Warnock with the outcome potentially determining which party controls the Senate for the final two years of President Biden's term. Well, the U.S. has imposed additional sanctions on Iran as protests continue. Government officials did this in response to the death of 22-year-old Masha Amini and the subsequent protests and her death. The aftermath of her death, the U.S. Treasury Thursday imposing financial penalties on seven high-ranking Iranian leaders in response to Iran shutting down Internet access to repress speech and try to quell protests. Amani's death three days after her arrest for violating dress code by removing her hijab has sparked those deadly protests nationwide. A lawsuit against actor Kevin Spacey underway in New York. Opening statements have concluded in the suit brought by Anthony Rapp, the actor who in 2017 became the first in a string of people to publicly accuse the House of Cards star of sexual misconduct. The U.S. House Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol will hold what could be its final hearing next week. Lawmakers, though, remaining tight-lipped over what is likely to be the panel's final hearing. Before the November midterms, former President Donald Trump lasted the media and the committee during a speech back in July. Everything this corrupt establishment is doing to me is all about preserving their power and control over the American people. They want to damage you in any form. But they really want to damage me so I can no longer go back to work for you. And I don't think that's going to happen. The hearing is set for October 13th at 1 in the afternoon. It comes after the panel delayed one slated for last week as Hurricane Ian prepared to make landfall. Representative Liz Cheney, the Republican from Wyoming, the top Republican presiding over the work of the January 6th committee on Wednesday, said she would absolutely vote for Democrats running for governor and secretary of state in Arizona. So for almost 40 years now, um, I've been voting Republican. I don't know that I have ever voted for a Democrat. Um, But if I lived in Arizona now, I absolutely would. Cheney lost her primary and her comments come in the final stretch before the midterm elections. Cheney's comments are a direct rebuke of Arizona Republican gubernatorial nominee Carrie Lake and the GOP's pick for Secretary of State Mark Feinchem. And both have touted former President Trump's false claim that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. At least 66 clinics in 15 U.S. states have now stopped performing abortions since the June U.S. Supreme Court ruling that overturned the constitutional right to the procedure course Roe v. Wade. This is all according to a report published Thursday by the Guttmacher Institute, a group which supports abortion rights. The report said there had previously been a total of 79 clinics offering abortions in 15 states which have implemented strict abortion bans, but that number has since fallen to 13 clinics. Arizona Senator Mark Kelly blasted his opponent, Blake Masters, on abortion during a debate this week. I think we all know guys like this. You know, guys that think they know better than everyone about everything. You know, you think you know better than women and doctors about abortion. You even think you know better than seniors about Social Security And you think you know better than veterans about how to win a war. The Institute said 26 clinics in the 15 states have closed their doors entirely, while 40 remain open, providing reproductive health services other than abortion. 
The Guttmacher Institute said the 15 states are home to nearly 22 million girls and women of reproductive age between the ages of 15 and 49, nearly one-third of the total U.S. population of women of reproductive age. Well, U.S. firearm homicides as well as suicide rates each increased by more than 8 percent from 2020 to 2021, according to data published Thursday by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. CDC researchers estimated that there were over 20,000 firearm homicides and over 26,000 firearm suicides in the U.S. in 2021 alone. The firearm homicide rate was 8.3% higher in 2021 than it was in 2020. There were increases seen among males and females, and the highest rate tended to be among 25 to 44-year-olds. All racial and ethnic populations in that age group experienced increases, and non-Hispanic, Black, or African-American people continued to experience the highest firearm homicide rates for every age group. Experts cite things such as systemic inequalities related to economic standing, educational standing, housing and employment opportunities, and also structural racism having contributed to disparities in outcomes, as well as the COVID-19 viral pandemic, they say could have worsened those conditions, especially in some racial and ethnic communities. A little new information in the case of a family of four that was kidnapped out in California on Monday and later found dead in an orchard. Merced County Sheriff is Vern Warnicky, and he did not release any new information about how and when the victims were believed to have been killed. There's just there's no words right now to, to describe the anger I feel and the senselessness of this incident. I said it earlier, it's a special place in hell for this guy, and I mean it. On Wednesday, authorities released footage of the moment the family of four was kidnapped at gunpoint from their trucking business. The sheriff said they were taken by a convicted robber who tried to kill himself a day after the kidnappings. Authorities named that suspect as 48-year-old Jesus Salgado, who had been taken into custody and was in critical condition as a person of interest. Horror in Thailand, a former police officer facing a drug charge burst into a daycare center Thursday in Thailand, killing dozens of preschoolers and teachers. He shot more people as he fled. At least 36 people were slain in the deadliest rampage in Thailand's history. The assailant, who was fired earlier this year, took his own life after killing his wife and own child at home. The attack took place in the rural town of Lampu, one of the country's poorest regions. And whore out in Las Vegas. Two people have died and at least six others were injured Thursday in what Las Vegas police called a series of unprovoked stabbings in the town's popular tourism center. 77 WABC News Time 515. Here's Justin Ellick with sports. Well, thank you, Deb. Uh, I'm just clearing what seems to be Frank Morano's stuff out of my uh, way here. And All right, um, get a broom. Moving on, yeah. I'll right? get a box. Exactly, indeed. Right. I am Justin Ellick here with the early news sports update. What a dud of a football game last night on Thursday Night Football as the Colts were in Denver facing the Broncos to kick off week five of the NFL season. 12-9 to was your final score with Indianapolis grinding out the victory as shiny new Broncos gunslinger Russell Wilson continued to struggle with his new team, throwing not one but two picks and route to the loss. The second coming on this crucial goal line play that could have sealed the win for Denver, who were up 9-6 to six at the time. Wilson fakes it to Gordon in the pocket. Throws up field. Picked off by the Colts into the end zone. And the Colts are 
is still alive. It's Stephon Gilmore. Ninth and third of the pass. And the Colts will take over. A touchback into the end zone. Interception. Stephon Gilmore. That call courtesy of Amazon Prime. Wilson's hiccup would clear the way for Colts kicker Chase McLaughlin to tie the game with a late 31-yard field goal before he would ultimately put Indianapolis up for good in overtime with a 48-yarder. That split the uprights right down the middle. Wilson and Denver had one last shot at the end zone to try and steal this thing, but alas, they could not get it done. Denver moves to 2-3 and three on the season, while Indy moves to 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Looking ahead to your local action this weekend, your 2-2 two and two New York Jets get set to welcome in the Miami Dolphins as three-point underdogs Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, while the G-Men are jet-set for London as eight-point underdogs against the Packers across the pond. That kickoff is set for 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. And strap on in New York Mets fans as the Orange and Blue get the postseason underway with Game 1 of their wildcard series against the San Diego Padres, scheduled for 8.07 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Max Scherzer will take the hill going up against San Diego's U Darvish. And Yankees fans will be watching Tampa Bay and Cleveland closely as they get their wildcard set underway today as well. At 12.07 p.m. this afternoon, the winner of that three-game bout will meet the Yanks in the upcoming ALDS. For more sports content, follow the 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Justin. Lou Dobbs has your financial report. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs, Wall Street bracing for the September jobs report. IBM focused on artificial intelligence, and cannabis stocks are soaring. Investors are anxiously awaiting today's jobs report, looking for more signs. The labor market is loosening. Economists targeting 250,000 jobs added last month. If that forecast holds up, it would mark the lowest monthly jobs increase in September of 2020. The unemployment rate, meanwhile, forecast to hold steady at 3.7%. The market coming off its second straight losing day after last week's initial jobless claims came in higher than expected. IBM investing $20 billion into quantum computing and chip manufacturing in New York. The company said it will focus on chips for artificial intelligence platforms. IBM stock down nearly 3%. Cannabis stocks are climbing higher. Shares of Tilray Brands up 30% yesterday. Canopy growth up 22%. The cannabis industry getting a boost from President Biden's announcement that he will pardon some federal marijuana offenders. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Futures are mixed. The Dow's up 45 points at 30,027, up 0.15%. The S&P is down just a quarter of a point. The NASDAQ down 26 and a quarter. Gold up $1.40 an ounce. Crude oil up 46 cents a barrel at $88.91. WABC Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. Well, New York State health officials are issuing a warning about the flu, saying it is already widespread and expected to intensify. Here's 77 WABC's Bob Brown. The uptick in flu cases this early in the season has state officials urging everyone to get their annual flu shot. I know people that said they're not going to get it. And, you know, the way the world is today, you you better take care of yourself. I have a son at home, so I don't want to get sick and get it to him. Northwell Health doctor Bruce Barber says the risk is higher since less people are wearing masks. People have vaccine fatigue, but this is not a place where I would get fatigued. Officials say more than half of the state's 62 counties have confirmed cases and the existing coronavirus pandemic could make it worse. 
I'm Bob Brown for the 77 WABC Early Morning News. Oh, ten people hurt in all after an NYPD police cruiser responding to a 911 call hit another vehicle, went out of control and plowed into a group of people on a sidewalk. It happened just after 3 p.m. yesterday at Westchester and Ho Avenues in the Longwood section of the Bronx. Here's NYPD Chief Jeffrey Madry. I really want to commend the members of the 401 Precinct because they were trying to get here. They were trying to prevent that crime. They were trying to apprehend someone that was attempting to steal a vehicle. Well, of course, we don't want to see anybody injured. And everybody hurt is expected to survive. The FDNY said that four people were rushed to the hospital with life-threatening injuries, including a man run over and a five-year-old that was inside of the vehicle clipped. But everybody is expected to be okay. Police say four pedestrians were struck on the sidewalk as two people inside the Acura were hurt as well. Three men were hurt, one critically in separate and unprovoked stabbing incidents, attacks at subway stations throughout New York City yesterday. A man was exiting a northbound number four train at the East 176th Street station at Jerome Avenue in the Bronx when a man stabbed him in the back and chest at the Morris Heights station just before 9 p.m. The victim rushed to St. Barnabas Hospital in critical condition. New Yorkers tell NBC New York there's not much more you can do anymore after hearing of such violence. You got to be vigilant. Like, there's like millions of people that live in the city, and you don't know what anybody's intentions are. So, the most I can do different is basically just be a little bit more vigilant than usual. But I'm not surprised. And the first incident yesterday occurred about 1.30 in the afternoon on the southbound platform of the ABC and D lines at 125th and St. Nicholas Avenue in Harlem. Police say there was a verbal dispute between two men. It turned violent with one of the men stabbing the other in the back. And then about an hour later on the northbound platform at the same station, a 29-year-old man was standing with his wife when a stranger came up to them and menaced the couple with a knife. Officers, though, were still on the southbound platform following the first incident and made a quick arrest. Although suspect accused of murdering FDNY EMS Captain Allison Russo Elling last week in Queens. Astoria, Queens, was arraigned yesterday from his hospital bed. Peter Zisopoulos pled not guilty and will undergo an evaluation on the request of his attorney to determine if he's actually fit to stand trial. The judge approved the evaluation request and set his next court appearance for November 29th. This is Vince Varialli, president of Local 3621. Somebody had told her that there was somebody asking for help on the corner. She went to investigate, and then this happened. This murderer came out from behind and stabbed her. Prosecutors said the man made statements both in the 114th precinct and on body camera following Russo Elling's murder. The arraignment came just a day after Russo Elling was laid to rest on Long Island. Well, there's growing debate over the firing of an NYU chemistry professor who said the difficulty of his class ultimately led to his dismissal. Dr. Maitland Jones Jr. was actually fired by the university earlier this year, and Jones said he was let go after students complained to the school that his organic chemistry class was way too hard. Former U.S. Representative Joe Walsh weighed in on News Nation. Universities and schools hate negative publicity until universities explain free speech to our students and and until universities explain to our students that classes are tough and if you want a good grade, you need to work. What's going to happen is people are going to leave. 
More than 80 of his 350 students had signed a petition claiming Jones was responsible for their failing grades. And on Tuesday, NYU released a statement saying in part that there were multiple student complaints about his dismissiveness, unresponsiveness, condensation and lack of transparency about grading. When Jones learned that he would not be returning, he stopped grading his current students' work entirely, according to the school and Supporters of the professor say his firing is unfair. The family of Daniel Prude, a black man who died after he was restrained by police officers in Rochester, New York, will receive $12 million as part of a lawsuit settlement with the city of Rochester, according to a new court filing. Prude's children alleged in this wrongful death lawsuit, which was first filed in 2020, that Rochester police used unlawful force to restrain him during a mental health arrest and that the officer's actions ultimately led to his death. Prude died by asphyxiation a week after officers put a hood over his head and pressed his face into the pavement to restrain him. Rochester Mayor Malik Evans spoke to NBC News. This has been going on for two years. Obviously, I've been in the office in nine months. One of the things we wanted to do is try to bring this chapter to a close, and I believe, if you saw my statement today, I believe that this does that. A medical examiner ultimately determined that Prude's death was a homicide, according to court documents. The lawsuit also accused the police department in Rochester of a cover-up and a refusal to discipline the involved officers. News of Prude's death sparked protests over police brutality and racism in arrests. Well, Comic-Con already underway at the Jacob Javits Center right here in Manhattan, back in full swing. Jacqueline Carl has the story. It's Comic-Con time in New York City. Around 200,000 people are expected to attend the event at the Javits Center on the west side of Manhattan. Last year, COVID kept capacity down. Masks are still required for the four-day event, but proof of vaccination is no longer required. For 77 WABC Early News, I'm Jacqueline Carl. And if you miss the top five at five and other news, be sure to check it out on our website, wabcradio.com. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.